Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of a sermon called Christ Likeness in Grace and Truth. We are seeing what it means to have Christ formed in us, the hope of glory. And the Bible teaches in John 1:14 that Christ was filled with grace and truth. You know, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians today, they're either heavy on grace and slacking in truth, or they're heavy on truth and lacking in grace. Well, Jesus was 100% grace and 100% truth. And we're going to see how the goal of a balanced Christian life is for us to be filled with grace and truth. When Jesus is really living out life within us, we are going to be like him, and we are going to be filled with grace and truth as well. So I hope you enjoyed today, part two of this sermon. And if you are enjoying the sermons that we bring you from Awaken to Grace, well, I hope you'll connect with us more so. I hope you'll connect in a much more personal way. You know, you can visit our website, www.awakened.com. To grace.com. Even though I am a completely blind pastor, they tell me it's one of the best looking websites out there. I'd love for you to check it out. I would love for you to explore my bio page and explore the resources that we offer. And if you like our website as much as other people tell me, shoot me a quick email and let me know. You can always email me at Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Well, let's get to our text. Today we are in John chapter 1, uh, verse 14, and I hope you enjoy part two of Christ's likeness in grace and truth. You take a bird with only one wing, You take a broken wing and only one wing, no bird can fly, right? It takes two wings for a bird to fly. And the gospel flies on grace and truth. You cannot separate them. They are both essential and they are both vital. And if you and I are going to represent Jesus to a grace-starved, truth-starved world, it requires grace and truth in our life. Go with me for a moment to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. In the 9 a.m., I asked everyone to turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 20. And someone very politely spoke up and said, there's not a Galatians 6, 20. (laughs) I'm glad they did that because it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. I want you to note this scripture in your Bibles. What a beautiful Scripture, this is of the great apostle Paul. Paul says of himself that he is an ambassador in what does your Bible say? In chains. Now, friends, this is highly significant, and I want you to note this because it will change your perception of this scripture. Paul says that he is an ambassador in Change. Do you realize that in Paul's day, ambassadors that would represent a powerful king or ambassadors that would represent a powerful empire, do you know what they were known for? 
They were known for thick chains of gold around their necks and wrists. And as a matter of fact, the larger your chains were, the larger your gold necklaces or your gold bracelets were, the thicker and the larger they were meant the more wealthy and the more powerful your empire was. Scholars think this is exactly what Paul meant when he was imprisoned in Rome, writing the book of Ephesians, and when Paul was literally chained to a Roman guard. Do you know what Paul's perception was? I am an ambassador in chains. Just as ambassadors wore thick golden chains to represent their wealth of their kingdom or empire. So Paul wore the prison chains with honor representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're talking about the right perspective in life. Amen. Now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Will you turn there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Turn or browse, right? I remember some few years ago when I was speaking to our middle and high school students, I had eyesight at that time, and they had the lights dim in that service, and I was preaching, and I said, turn in your Bibles to whatever, and all these faces just glowed. (laughs) They were all using their devices. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. What does Paul tell us? Listen to the words. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. What does it mean that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you. It means that you and I represent a king. (laughs) You and I represent a kingdom. You and I are the literal representations of Jesus Christ to this lost and hurting and dying world. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as always representing Jesus filled with grace and truth? See, what I love about an ambassador of the United States, think about this, an ambassador of our great country, does it matter if an ambassador is in their office in the embassy or not? Are they only the ambassador when he or she is sitting in the office of the embassy? No. It doesn't matter where an ambassador is. An ambassador is always representing the United States of America. Is that right or wrong? An ambassador can be anywhere at any time. It can be sitting at dinner. He or she may be at dinner, but it doesn't matter. He or she is the ambassador of the great United States. And friends, is this our perception? Whether we're in church or not, whether it's a Sunday or not, If we're at work, if we're out to dinner, if we're with friends, if we're in our neighborhoods, no matter where we are or who we are with, we are ambassadors filled with grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the next time your sweet tea don't get filled on time, 
Come on now, right? The next time that that server messes up your order, are you an ambassador of Jesus? The next time that that boss that drives you nuts, are you an ambassador? That next time that that customer comes in that you just absolutely cannot please and that person who lies on you and that person who tries to mess with your weak, are you an ambassador of Jesus to all people at all times? See, church, the only Jesus that most people will ever see is the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. We represent Christ. Now the question is, are we representing him in full grace and in full truth? Are we like Jesus that we are 100% grace, 100% truth at all times? And we're able to minister to people in that way. Friends, when you begin to see yourself as an ambassador, then it changes everything you do. It changes the way, it changes our behavior. Last night, I was so thrilled. I was beyond thrilled. As over 20 from our church went to our friends at Hunger First. This was our fourth consecutive week feeding our friends at Hunger First. Friends, do you know that last night we fed more people than we fed yet? So many of you brought, the last I heard was 14 pans of spaghetti. Texas Roadhouse donated salad and bread for us. The last, if I understand right, there was one pan left, and we took it to Hope Haven. We fed nearly 100 homeless last night. Amen to God's glory. Friends, do you know what it means? It means that as we march up there week after week after week after week going forward, we are going as ambassadors of the grace and of the truth and of the love of Jesus Christ. What a high privilege, amen? What an honor it is to represent Jesus with grace and truth. Are you part of that? Are you, part, are you engaged in the work of the Lord? Let me tell you, there are opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many opportunities for you to say, no, I'm going to represent Jesus to everyone that I come across. I'm not going to be about myself. I'm not going to be self-absorbed. I'm going to represent Jesus in every action that I take, in every person that I encounter, in everything that I do. That's why Paul said, whether we eat or whether we drink or whatsoever things we do, do it to the glory of God. Amen? You know what the scriptures actually mean when Jesus said, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You know what we often think that means? That often means to us, in our Western way of thinking, in our English way of thinking, we often think that means circle the wagons and huddle up. <laughs> it means circle the wagons to us. Let's hunker down in holy huddles, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
But do you know that's not at all what Jesus meant? Do you know what the literal meaning of the gates of hell shall not prevail? It literally means for Christians to lock arms. And it literally means that like a giant army, we march step in step. And what it literally means is that we put our shoulders into the gates of hell and we push it back. And we push it back. And we push it back. Amen? And do you realize that that's what God is using our church to do right now in our city? We are locking arms. It's not about this person. It's not about that person. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are pushing against the gates of hell. And to God's glory, we're putting some massive dents in the gates of hell. Amen? Because why? It's the gospel. And just like we're going to talk Easter, when we're all about the resurrection, when we're all about the power of the gospel of Jesus, then you know what happens? Great power falls upon the church. And you know what happens when great power comes upon the church, upon Christians? You know what happens? Then great grace is upon us all. Amen. Oh, calm down, Chad. You're going to preach Easter. I can't preach the Easter sermon. I won't have nothing to say. We're pushing. The gates of hell will not prevail against us because we're pushing with the gospel. Amen. So what's your perception today? Do you live self-absorbed? Do you live, do you live for yourself? Let me begin to wrap up with this. Let me share with you what happened to me and I want to say this carefully, so Lord, help me in, in describing this. There was an individual that Satan began to lie to me about. How many of you know Satan lies? He's the father of lies. Jesus said in 8, 40, John chapter 8, verses 44, 43, 44, 45, Jesus teaches and says, Satan is... The father of lies and everything he says is a lie. Everything. Think about that. The Bible says that he speaks out of his own nature. And everything he says is a lie. That's why even when he says something that's true like he did to Jesus in the wilderness. Even when he says something that is true, there is a twisting to it. You know wicker furniture? Do you know why it's called wicker because it comes out of the root word wickedness, which means to twist. The reason why Satan is so wicked is because everything he says is a twisted truth. So because he lies, okay, you got to be careful. You got to be careful when Satan lies to you. And there was this individual that Satan began to lie to me about. It was someone that the Lord wanted me to get to know and minister to, but Satan in some way and somehow just told me, Chad, this person has wrong motives. This person is thinking this. This person is thinking that. I had nothing to base that on. I, I, Satan was telling me this person had wrong motives and all the while... I was having wrong motives. And do you know how the Holy Spirit helped me with this? Think about this. The Holy Spirit 
Uh, I was feeling very conflicted about this individual. I was feeling very, I just had, it just didn't feel good. And it wasn't like it was a spiritual red flag. It, it's, it was a deception. <clears throat> and here's what the Holy Spirit asked me. Chad, first of all, is what you're thinking, is what you're feeling. Number one, is it even true? <laughs> is it even true? See, some of you have been upset with people. Some of you have been angry with people. Some of you have heard what other people have said about you. Some of you have conflict in your work and tension on your job because you think something is true. Friends, it may not even be true. And I had to put that test in, in the way I was feeling, this conflict I was feeling. I had to stop myself. And the Holy Spirit asked me, Chad, is there truth to this? And then the Holy Spirit said, Chad, even if there is truth, where's your grace? Is there grace? And you know what the Lord helped me to be able to do? The way I felt toward this person completely changed when I put the truth test and the grace test to it. It may be who you're struggling with. It may be the feelings that you're having right now. Friends, it may not even be true. And even if it is, where's your grace? If we're going to be like Jesus... If our hearts and our lives are going to be so filled with Jesus Christ, where's grace? Where's truth? Do you apply them both equally to other people as Jesus did? The grace test. See, the Old Testament is so filled with the truth of God, right? And the Old Testament's about the law. See, the law reveals sin. But only Jesus can remove it. And do you know why grace comes before truth? Because God introduced grace to the world through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Titus 2, I think verse 15 says, And now the grace of God has appeared to us all through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you something. Are you giving grace to people in your life? If God so introduced grace to the world through Jesus, are you introducing Jesus and God's grace to everyone in your life? Are there things you've believed that are not true? Are there rumors that you've heard but they're not true? Maybe right now, let me just be honest. Maybe you have a bit of an alt against me or against our leadership because we've made decisions that you don't agree with. Or maybe our church is moving in a direction that you're not comfortable with. I don't know. But let me ask you, are you extending grace? Are you believing truth? Don't let Satan ruin some of the greatest relationships you'll ever have. Be that with family, 
Be that with siblings. Be that with grandchildren. Be that with employers or employees. Be that with neighbors. And for goodness sake, with church family. Don't don't let Satan tell you things that simply are not true. Give the truth test. Give the grace test. And I promise you, you'll live your life the way Jesus did. And isn't that the goal of Christ-likeness? Isn't that the goal of our Christian walk? Is to be just like Jesus. So Lord, will you fill us with your grace today? Will you fill us with your truth? Help us to avoid legalism. Help us to avoid having no standards. Majoring on on grace and minoring on truth. No, God, let us be 100% grace and truth. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Perhaps you're here. Perhaps you're watching online. And truth and grace has never come to your heart. Today, maybe you're on the outside looking in. You know what Jesus would say to you today? If you're on the outside looking in, Jesus would say today, the door is wide open. Come in. Some of you, and I can feel it in my heart, and I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear me, precious, precious people. Hear me. Some of you are like a beggar who is so hungry, but you stand at the threshold of the bakery. And you've yet to come in. You've yet to walk through the door. And do you know how I know that the door is open to you? Because Jesus is the door to salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And do you know what Jesus says to all of us beggars? He says, come in. Come in. Will you step through the door today and receive Jesus, who is grace and truth? Maybe your heart's empty today. Maybe your life is empty. Maybe you've tried all there is to try in life, and it's left you so unfulfilled. Friends, what you need is grace and truth. Your soul is hungry. It's starved in grace and truth. It's the answer. With your heads bowed right now and your eyes closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're without Jesus today, if all you've had is religion, if you need genuine grace and truth, I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to pray with me right now. Pray this in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, 
I am a sinner and I need a savior. Will you come into my life today and forgive all my sins? I repent today and I believe on you and trust in you for the salvation of my soul. Bring me grace. Bring me truth. In Jesus' name, amen.